Welcome to Politics and Psychology. I'm Dr. Renee Carr, and please introduce yourself in the chat or on social media. So how are you doing today? I hope you're having a great day. And today is going to be an exciting topic. We're going to talk about why do people love guns? The psychology of gun owners. And for this to not be a one-sided or a one-time conversation, please also give your thoughts or questions in the comment section below. So let's begin. I'm interested in this topic because with such a um, an increase in children who are being shot and killed using guns or a general public being killed by guns, there is an equally increase in an avid protection of guns. So there has to be a psychological reason of why there is a need rather than just a want. And why is that need so intensified that even when you're seeing children being killed, that you still believe that this need for a gun is an actual right. So that's what we're talking about. The symbolic meaning of guns is why it has become such an attachment to guns and gun rights and gun ownership. When a person says that they need something, not like I need a latte, like I need a boba tea every day, but if they need something, then what they are saying is that this thing, this person or experience is essential to their life and their well-being. And the psychological experience of identifying or saying that you have a specific need reveals that you have an emotional or a physical attachment and that you are now required to have this thing or experience for your life to be safe or to have meaning. Now, the most common emotions that come up whenever you say that you have a need are one, love, and two, fear either going toward love or going away from fear. Or it could be a behavioral motivation to obtain or more maintain a sense of physical safety and security or a sense of personal identity and beliefs about yourself. So how does this need develop? Well, one out of three Americans actually own guns. Two in every five people live in a household with a gun in it. And this equates to more guns in America than we actually have citizens. Specifically, for every 100 U.S. citizens, we have 120 guns. Many adult gun owners are children who grew up in a household with guns. They had a gun in their family that had been passed down through the generations. They might have even received their first gun as a present. So the first gun usually could be considered a rite of passage, a source of pride, especially if that child was going out on his or her first hunt. And many families with guns in the homes also see guns as a source of a skill-based hobby or sport that they focus on. Just like if you go to soccer practice or archery, they may consider guns as part of that sport and not a threat at all. Parents often help their children fine-tune these gun handling skills and they promote them to go to the shooting range and even to gun shooting competitions. So this causes the handling of guns and the ownership of guns to be associated with a feeling of pride and a feeling of self-confidence. And these feelings can cause the owning of guns to also be associated with the need for self-understanding and the need for self-identity. So do you see how if you have a gun, the typical psychology profile is the association of a need to having this gun ownership. So we're seeing social needs being met. 
We're seeing achievement needs being met. And we're also seeing a sense of belonging through either your family by passing down this gun, the particular guns, or passing down the tradition of having gun ownership and hunting as an activity that you might do with your family. But having constant exposure to guns is what creates a gun social culture. This could be where you're collecting guns, shooting guns together, going to target practice or shooting competitions. All of these are done with not just the family inside the home that has a gun or the individual who has a gun, but it becomes a form of social interaction that satisfies psychological needs of belonging or friendship. And it can also fulfill a psychological need of mastery if you have a gun collection or your shooting skills then become admired by other people in your group or in your state. And so then you have a sense of prestige that comes along with these gun ownerships. So we can see then that for many gun owners, having a gun is part of their personal and their social identity. The majority of gun owners also view gun ownership as a source of protection. And guns then become viewed as a psychological need or a sense of physical protection. In a study of gun ownership and psychological needs, the majority, meaning 63% of gun owners, saw guns as a symbol of freedom for them. And 59% claimed that guns made them feel safe. So it makes sense that if you have social, emotional, and safety needs attached to this object, and this object is a gun, then you would fight very hard to keep this need because it means so much to you on an emotional, social, and physical level. Now let's look at the actual gun owner profile. In a 2015 study, the profile of a typical gun owner in America is white, married, or divorced, with a high income, and over 55 years old. In the 2022 report from the Pew Research Center, the trend is similar. Specifically, we see that the population is still men, white adults, and individuals living in rural areas. So in the last study, the one for this year, it didn't say that income was a significant variable that could predict gun ownership, but it did still show that what was the same, that out of all of the groups, all of the populations in the United States, the typical gun owner is always a white male. In an additional study and several surveys, we have also realized that the typical gun owner is not only a white male, but that he is also a white male who is also a Republican voter. And when you associate with a political party, that political party becomes part of your personal identity. You choose, every one of us, when you choose, okay, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a libertarian, whatever you choose, you choose that political party based on your beliefs that that specific political party agrees with what you believe, that they value what you value, and that they will fight for the laws and policies that protect what you value and what you believe in. So when your personal identity becomes linked to your political identity, this only intensifies your social gun culture. And when any group of people share a strong attachment to their social culture, it will only intensify the actions of that group as a whole, as well as the individual actions of the individual group members. So think about it. 
when you have anonymity in a social group, you are able to act more boldly and agree to things that you would not normally do if it was just the cameras on you. This is what happens when you have a gun owner and that becomes part of a local social culture or a national social culture of just gun owners and gun ownership. When that gun ownership culture then becomes now a bigger part of a political identity, can you see how much stronger that affiliation and attachment and resentment will be to any attacks of you trying to take away the gun or their ability to own a gun? So this is the core reason why the majority of Republicans have a strong attachment and emotional reaction to gun ownership and gun rights. In a 2014 general social survey, we saw that half of Republicans live in households with at least one gun, which is twice as high as ownership among the homes of Democrats or independents. And in another 2022 survey, again from the Pew Research Center, it showed that Republicans in Congress are about three times as likely as Democrats to indicate that they own a gun. So overall, as of August 9th of this year, 2022, at least 110 representatives and senators in the current 117th Congress have publicly stated or otherwise confirmed that they own a gun. Among three quarters of these, so 77% specifically, are also members of the GOP, while 23% are Democrats. So while there are at least 110 confirmed gun owners in Congress, it was probably more than 77% of gun owners being in the GOP because out of the 396, um, there were 396 congressional members who did not respond inquiries to either confirm or deny their gun ownership. So usually if you're denying something, it's because you don't want to admit something because you don't want it to be on record or to be held accountable for that. So with such a large number, meaning the majority of Republican congressional leaders also being gun owners, it's very clear then that gun ownership and gun ownership identity is strongly tied to both Republican leaders and Republican voters. So when you add politics to personal identity, your personal identity can then be manipulated for votes. Political candidates will often use messages with emotions that excite you or anger you. And gun ownership is one of the most divisive politic politics issues in our country right now. Both Democratic candidates and Republican candidates use campaign messaging and their TV ads that evoke anger and fear as it relates to gun ownership. So the positives, the social benefits, the psychological benefits are not being touted. Instead, they're using those experiences and those emotions of fear to make you vote how they want you to vote or to advocate for policies that they are pushing. So let's explain why we would have Republicans, voters, who are resisting any type of messaging about not having guns. If a Republican voter who is a gun owner is then being told that we are focusing on gun right, gun right advocacy, or taking away or limiting gun ownership, then of course they would have a psychological reaction, which is very intense. Because for them, 
gun owners have associated the guns as a psychological need for belonging, love, and protection. So when gun safety advocates discuss restricting access to guns in any kind of way, it will make these gun owners and potential gun owners interpret these conversations as very real threats to their identity and their ability to protect themselves. So this is very understandable. You can see that anyone trying to threaten what you believe is personally yours as a right to your identity and your protection of yourself, your neighbors, or your family would make you want to even react in a more stronger way or in a more defensive way. These are natural psychological and behavioral responses to when a person feels threatened and defenseless. Again, the problem is that when you believe that you need to have a gun to protect yourself, then we have to then wonder, okay, well, how do you define a threat and what would constitute a need to protect yourself? When a gun owner is not psychologically healthy, has low levels of self-esteem, or has strong racial beliefs, then their sense of a need to protect themselves becomes dangerous. There is one doctor, Dr. Bernardo, was a researcher who conducted a study in 1985 and then again in 2010, and he wanted to study the primary motivation and the beliefs behind why people would have such a strong attachment to guns. And he found that in 1985, the ownership of a gun with the primary reason to protect oneself was heavily focused and influenced on racial prejudice and the perceptions of crime. Now, this was found to exist even when there was no actuality of crime being present. So this showed us in this and other studies that the need to feel safe is different from the actual experience of being safe and that individuals who buy guns and use guns for the sense or for the sake of quote-unquote protection are more likely to have social, racial, or gender concerns based on who they feel is a physical threat to them. In the 2010 study, what he also found is that Americans, regardless of whether they're Republican or Democrat, he found that we, um, Americans were faster and more accurate when firing on armed Black individuals than when firing on armed white individuals. Americans, both political parties, are also faster and more accurate in electing to hold their fire when confronting an unarmed white person, but not when confronting an unarmed Black person. So, Whenever you are perceiving a threat, you're going to respond in a way to defend yourself. But if your sense of threat is tainted by your prejudicial beliefs, then you're going to see, in this case, Black people, brown people, as more of a viable threat than you would your own race. Also, those with obvious racist beliefs and not just prejudicial thoughts Obvious racist views are also more likely to oppose gun reforms. Specifically, they found that the impact of their racial beliefs was so strong that even just living close to a relatively lack, large Black population was enough to meaningfully, meaning it's very obvious, increase the gun ownership in that next neighborhood, in that next town, among highly 
prejudiced or against racist men. And this was even in the absence of any real concerns about crime. Even when the crime rates were low, people who already had high prejudicial beliefs or racist beliefs were more likely to advocate to have a gun and to have gun ownership and more likely to oppose gun reform just because they lived in a neighborhood or in a state that had a relatively large Black or African-American population. So for this brief conversation on the psychology of gun owners, it's important to remember the information that most people are very strong advocates of having guns, mainly because of the psychological attachments to it and there having been a social culture that reinforced that having a gun is a need. There's nothing wrong with that. One where we can stop having such division in gun laws and division in who should and should not have a gun is to recognize that if we focus on balancing the use of the Second Amendment for everyone to have the right to bear arms, but balancing that out with understanding that the need to bear arms is often tainted by the psychological state of individuals who are either experiencing psychological imbalance, having strong racial or prejudicial beliefs, or are so ingrained into a political party that promotes same group thinking, even if it doesn't make sense, even if children are being killed or random strangers are being killed in the parking lot because of the freedom and the accessibility of guns. By using this balanced approach, not only will we be able to make smarter decisions about to whom we give our dollars and our votes, but we can also have a balanced approach to making sure that there is equality and there is justice and not only the right to bear arms, but the right to live. So that ends our time for today, but please continue this conversation and remember to do so using science and love. If you run